Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. You've tuned in to the best culinary conversation and it starts right here and right now. So I welcome you to my table. Whether you love to cook or love to eat, there is something you will love on this show. And I hope you'll take your cooking skills to the next level by checking my all new and improved website out at chefjamie.com. We've just relaunched a new site and I'd love your feedback. Whether you're looking for chef's tips, recipes, videos, cocktails, or more, it's my goal to make every day delicious. And on this show, I hope to satiate your appetite and feed your soul. I hope you'll become a friend and a fan as well on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. This weekend, like all of them throughout the year, we're heating it up with grand guests to make your dishes come alive with flavor because every food topic is on the table. So let's get this party started, shall we? The big game is just a week away, quickly approaching. So I'm working on new quesos and salsa recipes for television, but I recently received an email with a request for guacamole inspiration. So avocado lovers, especially from my home state of California, where avocado toast should become the new flag, you should unite if you love an avocado because the next few minutes might be culinary nirvana for you. Ripe avocados, a squeeze of lime, a good dash of salt. That's really all you need to make guacamole in its most basic form. But if you know me, you know that I like to push the envelope when it comes to food. And so I thought we should expound on everyone's favorite dip, especially considering that mashed avocado is essentially a blank canvas for all sorts of additions, right? Now, guacamole is originally from Mexico, of course. The name is derived from two Aztec words that make up avocado and sauce. And really, all you need is ripe avocados and salt. And then after that, a little acid, like I mentioned, lime or lemon juice to balance the richness of the avocado. You add a little chopped cilantro and or chilies, maybe a little bit of onion, maybe tomato if you like it juicy, which I think is essential for texture. And you offset the natural richness, rather, of the fruit, because avocados are technically a fruit and not a vegetable, but you knew that. And you have what could be, in its simplest form, perfect guacamole. Now, the trick to perfect guacamole is really very simple. It's about using good, ripe, flavorful avocados. You check for ripeness by gently pressing the outside of the avocado. And if there's no give, you figure the avocado is not ripe yet and it will not taste good. If there's a little give there, the avocado is pretty close to ripe. But there is a great trick to test an avocado and it has never failed me. And if you've heard it before, allow me just to be a subtle reminder that when you're standing in the grocery store, Uh, It's always disappointing to cut into an avocado that you've been nurturing to perfect ripeness only to find a brown mess inside. So worry no more. This foolproof way will tell you whether you will discover a creamy, luscious green interior or brown spots next time you cut open an avocado. 
So you peel back that small stem at the top of the avocado. And if it comes away easily and you find green underneath, you've got a good avocado that's ripe and ready to eat. That is the perfectly ripe kind of fruit you want to take home with you from the grocery store. Now, on the other hand, if you pull back the stem and you find brown underneath, that avocado is overripe and you are likely to found to find rather brown spots inside the fruit. And if the stem doesn't come off or it gives you a little trouble, the fruit is not yet ripe enough to eat. I've also found that a very light green, if you can get the stem to move, is a telltale sign of an underripe avocado. Now you can ripen avocados in the counter, uh, in the kitchen on the counter. You can actually speed up the ripening process by introducing ethylene gas, a paper bag with an apple, and your couple of avocados will ripen those avocados almost overnight. It's a pretty cool trick. And then of course, there is the making of guacamole. Now, I think that guacamole's come a long way from its most basic structure because now you can dip just about anything in anything, right? And my favorite dipper for guacamole is a salty, fatty one that I just think complements everything wonderful and beautiful about guacamole. And that is chicharron. I think fried pork skins are the best chip on the planet for dipping in guacamole. But then of course it depends on your guacamole, right? Everything from pretzels to chips to tater tots I've seen, and I'm all for it. I mean, whatever floats your boat, dip with reckless abandon. But how you make the guacamole matters. So you can make it smooth, avocados pitted and peeled, right? Lime juice, salt, Something creamy that adds to the smooth texture of a smooth guacamole, like sour cream or Mexican crema. Some cilantro, maybe a little bit of onion, shallot, or garlic. Pick one, not all three. We don't want to overwhelm the guacamole. And pureed in your food processor or blender until smooth will give you what I call a superbly smooth guacamole. Now, because of its ultra silky texture, I personally think that it's ideal for spreading onto sandwiches or dolloping onto roast fish, but that's just me. Guacamole as you, as you may, as you like. But you could also make it charred. If you've never had grilled guacamole, please try this recipe. Yes, I grill my avocados. So I take avocados, I cut them in half, I remove the pit, and I leave the skin on. And I preheat my backyard barbecue till really hot, or you can put a grill pan over high heat indoors. And I brush the avocado halves with a pastry brush with a thin layer of olive oil. And I season liberally with salt and pepper. And I put those directly cut side down on the grill. And I cook them until they have grill marks and start to show a little char about two to three minutes for the avocado. Now, I also throw a jalapeno on the grill and I like to cut the red onion in half and grill that too because I love that smoky flavor. Then you scoop out the avocado and you add whatever additions you so choose and you mash it, not too fine because you want some chunky goodness. And you could season with a little bit of smoky cumin, ground cumin that is, because you'll add to that wonderful grilled component. You season with salt and pepper and you serve it and you have grilled guacamole and it's outrageously good. But I love a fruity avocado. I do. 
So I take the avocado, I dice it up, I add lime juice, a little bit of shallot. Usually I keep garlic out of my guacamole by choice. And I'll add some really fresh, beautiful herb like basil. And then I add my, I have the acid, I add my salt and pepper. But here for a fruity guacamole, I tend to add a splash of fish sauce because it's got that umami bomb, right? And then I throw in a half a cup of diced mango or diced pineapple. Now I know that guacamole enthusiasts are shuddering at the moment, but to each their own. I happen to love a fruity guacamole. If you're looking for more guacamole inspiration, please go to chefjamie.com or you can always email me, of course, jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. All right, it's time for food news this week. Before we go too long, this is big news, in fact, because I am a Ben and Jerry's fan, aren't you? They just introduced two new flavors you don't want to miss. I got a sneak peek of both of them and let me tell you, They are darn good, equally good, in fact. If you are a Bostonian, well, your cream pie ice cream has arrived. It's called Boston Cream Pie, and it features vanilla custard Ben and Jerry's with cake pieces, pastry swirls, and fudge chips, and I thought it was luscious. Not too sweet, but definitely reminiscent of a Boston cream pie. But my favorite was the raspberry chocolate cheesecake made with cheesecake ice cream raspberry swirls graham cracker and white chocolate ganache I am a white chocolate lover whether you argue it is chocolate or not so check it out two new flavors from Ben and Jerry's you heard it here first and please don't touch your dial because the kitchen has always been the center of family life for Anna Voloshina is her last name and I will get it right She is the glorious Ukrainian cook who relocated to the U.S. some years ago and has just had her first cookbook released to great acclaim, by the way, because it is her goal to share these beloved classics from Ukraine with food lovers everywhere. And so she says cheers, but in Ukrainian, she says budmo. Please stay tuned. We're talking Ukrainian cuisine right after this. Grab a snack, come on back. Chef Jamie Gwen, don't go. Mouthwatering conversation here and now in your radio. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen here. Budmo, or as we say, Cheers, is the first cookbook to celebrate classic Eastern European recipes with a modern creative twist. Ukrainian-born, California-based chef, blogger, and culinary instructor, Anna Voloshina, shares recipes from her Ukrainian kitchen with beautiful, bright flavors and vibrant ingredients that sing from each plate. To keep traditions alive, to honor their stories and history, I personally think it is so important to celebrate food and culture around the world. And this is 
is an extraordinarily beautiful cookbook steeped in heritage and love. And I am so very delighted to welcome Anna to my table. Anna, welcome to the show and congratulations. I can't wait to cook from your cookbook. Hello, hello. Thank (laughs) you so much for having me and thank you for the wonderful words. I'm just, I'm so honored to be here today. Well, thank you. And and very much well-deserved. I think especially in this time here and now, it is for me personally a privilege to be able to honor your heritage. And I think it's most important to start out by acknowledging the work that you are doing for your beloved country um, to keep your family safe, but to keep all of the refugees there, the work that you've done to raise money, to give back. And so this interview very much is to honor Ukraine and to honor what you do. Thank you so, so much. I feel like uh, every Ukrainian in this world, uh, it just, well, it just came together. Mm-hmm. We, we try to help our country and, uh, I, I felt so guilty being here while my family is there, my people are there, and whatever I can do to help them, I, I will do. Wow. This is just, it, it helps me as mm-hmm. well to feel like I'm doing something for my country. Yes, and you're doing good work. And I think it's only appropriate to start out, to first talk about uh, your growing up in the Ukraine and how you were, I mean, the way you talk about these meals and these exuberant conversations at the table, it's very joyful. I mean, you were raised with a love for food. Yes, Ukraine is a very, very joyful country. And honestly, when I was writing this book, it was way before the war and all the horrible uh, things that happened with my country. And I wanted this book to be about celebration, about people coming together. And I wanted to say, hey, guys, you 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 want to go to my country. You want to experience this. You want to try this food because we love guests. We love feeding people. Mm-hmm. And we will well, we will make this the best time of your life. Mm-hmm. And now after the war, it's like after everything, it's so hard. But people are still finding these reasons to celebrate, finding this joy and. Uh, just cooking for each other and gathering around the table. So now this book about that is like, look at our culture. It's beautiful. This is what we are fighting for. And come visit us when the war is done and we we won. Hmm. We will welcome you. We will welcome everybody and we will show you some good times and good food. Yes. And, And every page of your book does that. I love that you... Uh, transplanted to San Francisco, very young, in fact, right? And you wanted to make your mark and share the Ukrainian culture and beautiful food. And you made wonderful waves when you started hosting Eastern European pop-up dinners. I mean, you became a rock star. And <laughs> and I love that so much has come from that. Tell us about the pop-up dinners and what it was like to bring people together over a Ukrainian feast, so uh, this is definitely comes from my family. We love hosting guests. And my mom and my grandma, they are amazing cooks, and they taught me everything I know. Mm. So uh, when I came here, cooking for people and inviting them over to our small apartment, that was something that helped me to connect with people, to share my culture, and uh, just to have 
fun because yeah. we invited all my like Alex's co-workers, we invited <laughs> strangers, we invited uh, friends. So it just it was so joyful for us. Hmm. And then um, I started working as a food photographer, and I met a lot of chefs, and I worked with a lot of pop-up chefs. And they like, okay, you should host, just try it. And uh, I hosted one dinner, and it was such a great success. I I was incredibly nervous, and after. I saw that people are enjoying our food, that they're having fun, drinking some vodka, and uh, I cried. Like, I literally, when I wanted to say how much I appreciate them and their support, I started crying, and those emotions were so powerful that I decided, like, okay, this is something I need to try more of. And uh, I started hosting dinners, and people, like, they were sold out so fast that I had to plan a few months in advance and um, after that I'm like okay maybe we should bring some recipes for people uh, <laughs> all over the country and I wrote the book and uh, this is here we are and the yeah. and the rest is history with a second cookbook yeah. already underway um, I, I'm oh my god yes I'm very <laughs> thrilled for your success oh my gosh yes um, let's talk about Ukrainian cuisine please what stands oh, out over. in your pantry as to signature Ukrainian ingredients. I was um, fascinated and delighted because we share a love for honey to read in your staple pantry that you keep three honeys on hand at all times. Yes, I love honey. And <laughs> well, first of all, I I come from the region where honey is a serious business. Uh-huh. And uh, we have multiple, multiple people that will go to uh, get a particular uh, type of honey. For example, my mom has her connections and she will go to a certain farmer to get buckwheat honey, which is very deep and robust. And you will, like, you will not use it for, like, everything, but just, like, one tablespoon of it will transform the dish so dramatically. It's just Mm. wonderful. Another type uh, is just, like, this floral honey, uh, the first honey of the season, she knows the person for that one. So it's like, it's a serious deal in our family. And uh, I will cook with different type of honey when I want a dessert, or I will just add it to my tea. And it just, it heals me when I feel under the weather, and it just adds the flavor to my dishes. Yeah, so it, that's definitely a star of my pantry. And, of course, sour cream. Um, it's not a pantry item. It's more of a fridge item, but I cannot live without sour cream. Right. I put it... On top of everything. And, and dill. I started making my own. Oh, and dill. And, and dill, right? my own sour cream. <laughs> and it's just the best project I've ever done. Oh, good for you. I love that. I, I loved reading through the recipes. I poured over your book. And I'll tell you, so many of the beautiful introductions start with everything good comes from the addition of sour cream and dill. Right. That, and you joke around saying, you know, there isn't a Ukrainian dish that isn't topped with sour cream and dill. Oh, and then it has to have garlic. I mean, you oh know, God, yeah. <laughs> I, I love that that was so uh, at the heart of your sharing Ukrainian recipes. You are, you are so joyful, Anna, and it, and it comes through. I don't want you to go. We need to take a quick break. Will you please stay with us? Of course. Oh, good. I'm so glad. When we come back, more to expand your cooking horizons, to mark the occasion to celebrate Ukrainian cuisine. And there is more celebration right after the break. Don't go away.
back and we're dishing Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Ukraine, situated in the heart of Eastern Europe, as so many of us are now more aware than ever, sitting center at the crossroads of Western Europe, Russia, and Asia, has this most unique, extraordinary cuisine, a melting pot of beautiful, bright flavors. And celebrating those flavors is the chef and photographer, journalist, writer, blogger, and pop-up superstar with one cookbook under her belt and a second on the way. You must see it, entitled Budmo, or as we say cheers, here it is a celebration from Anna Voloshina, and we're continuing our conversation. Okay, vodka is always in the freezer, right? Which is why you and I have to be friends. <laughs> Definitely. Oh my God! Come over. I will. I have more than one type of vodka in my freezer. I have just plain Ukrainian vodka, which was sent to me after I wrote the book. People decided, like, okay, she's into vodka. We'll send her some. <laughs> so I have just like uh, plain Ukrainian vodka, which which is like so delicious and so smooth, and it will never give you a head of a headache, never ever. Mm. And then I have some vodka infusion. Um, I have. Thorn vodka, I mm. have boysenberry, Ooh. and I have horseradish, which is uh, which is a mean vodka, by the way. It has corn <laughs> bite, and uh, it will definitely heal your cold if you feel under the weather. That's the remedy, and uh, people just love it. I, I'm always scared to give it to people because it's like it's spicy, it's pungent, but people love it. Do you infuse it yourself? Yes, I infuse it myself, and I add to my horseradish vodka, I add a little bit of honey, very mild honey, something like clover or uh, just um, flower honey Yes, uh, to make it smoother and slightly softer because it, 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 it has a bite. It I'm packs a punch, <laughs> yes. And is that a vodka that you would, um, that you would have a shot of? Yes. So, uh, yes, definitely. We are not sipping our vodka. No. In Ukraine, in our family, nobody does that. We are <laughs> shooting. Uh, so, definitely, yes. And uh, I'm not a crazy drinker, but I like infused vodka so much. Yes. Uh, a, a pure palate cleanser, I should say. Let's get into recipes, please, because I very selfishly, as I do in all of my weekly radio interviews, I mark all the recipes I want to make in the book, and then I just figure the rest of the world listening wants to make exactly what I do. <laughs> and, I love it. Yeah, and so we dish on those. Um, but uh, I will say, starting with Georgian eggplant rolls, I don't think that the U.S. embraces eggplant as much as the rest of the world, and I love it. Oh, my God, yes. So I come from the region where we grow all the vegetables for the rest of Ukraine. Huh. So eggplant is definitely something very, very popular yes. uh, in the south of Ukraine. So I grew up eating them on a daily basis. Mm. And those we make eggplant rolls in Ukraine, uh, and they are slightly different. And when I tried this eggplant roll with uh, walnuts, uh, amazing this walnut filling, which is um, very light, but at the same time it's uh, kind of fulfilling and so 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 good. And uh, it, like it's the best thing to bring to a vegetarian or even vegan potluck yes. because everybody will love it. Even meat lovers will love this veggie 
Um, yeah, brilliant. And by the way, I noticed the pomegranate molasses. You know, I make a, a marinade that turns into a glaze for chicken using pomegranate molasses. I think it is one of the most brilliantly bold flavor enhancers that you can keep in your pantry. And I was delighted to see you drizzle it because it has bright acid and the richness from the molasses. And it's incomparable. There, there is no other flavor like it. Absolutely agree. And I, I feel like people don't know about this ingredient and they definitely should use it because one jar will last you forever. For a long time. Yes. And you can make it yourself and it's so easy to make. It's just pomegranate juice and sugar. That's, this is it. Just boil it down and then here we go. You can drizzle it. You can use it as a marinade. You can finish your salad with it. It just, it has infinite possibilities. Yes, I agree with you. I happen to be very in love with pomegranate molasses, as you are with potato salad. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to us about your signature potato salad. That's very much a Ukrainian staple, is it not, at the table? Yes. So, first of all, potato is is a a thing in Ukraine. This is probably the most common ingredient, and we eat potato every single day, and, um, I love this potato salad, and this one is slightly different than the one we usually uh, cook in Ukraine, because this one is vegetarian. Mm. It usually has either um, some kind of like mortadella-like uh, sausage yes. or um, boiled chicken. But this one I tried at my Georgian friend's house, and mm. she made it vegetarian, but she added a ton of chopped herbs, and that that transformed the salad completely. Mm-hmm. And right now I'm like, okay, I don't miss meat in this salad at all. And again, by making it vegetarian, you are inviting more people to the of table because everybody can enjoy it. Yeah, I love that. And I love the combination. It's a very packed potato salad. So it has hard-boiled eggs and dill pickles and all those herbs you talked about and shelled green peas. And it's hearty. I mean, that that's the beauty, I think, of a great potato salad. Um, okay, bring on the borscht, please. Um, as we discussed prior to this conversation, Anna, you know I was raised in a Jewish household and there is nothing like borscht. And I, again, I don't think we embrace the beet as much as we should, but you have a, an elevated version of borscht that uh, looks extraordinarily delicious. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I have three borscht recipes yes. in my book because borscht is the most uh, popular dish in Ukraine. I, I think this is our trademark. Yes. And uh, last year, UNESCO recognized borscht as the Ukrainian intangible heritage. So finally, we won the battle of borscht. Yes. Borscht is Ukrainian because it was a lot of uh, debates before. But yes, borscht is Ukrainian. And uh, I, I wanted to show people that borscht can be cold, borscht can be red and hot, borscht can be vegetarian, and borscht can be green. Yes. Not a lot of people know that borscht can be green. Uh, and we cook that type of borscht uh, in the spring when we have this luscious, fresh sorrel mm. and it's wonderful it's um it's very very hearty and but at the same time it's slightly lighter than the regular red borscht and we add uh either chopped egg hard-boiled egg or in my case i like to add uh 
and make it a, a ramen style. And I add this uh, Jamie mm. um, soft egg on top. And yes. it, it looks so, so beautiful. Oh, and it like, looks oh so luscious, delicious. Like, I, I, I can't wait to eat that. I, that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And I have a vegetarian bush in my, of course. So, so I, use, um, I grew up in a carnivore family. Everybody ate meat every day with every meal. And I feel like I want to showcase that Ukraine is not all about pork and chicken. We can make amazing vegetarian dishes. That's why I have a vegetarian version of borscht, because it's as fulfilling as the uh, regular borscht with pork ribs or, like, oxtails. But, again, you can invite more people to the table. To the table. table. And and I love that you embrace that, but you do give us a really large breadth of different flavors from the Ukraine, meat-focused or otherwise. I noticed in the book that you write about how your mother keeps a pork belly in the freezer at all times. I like her. Yes, I I do the (laughs) the same thing. I have two pieces of pork belly in my uh, freezer, and one will go with my uh, fried potatoes. This is one of my favorite dishes, and I have it in the book. It's very simple. It's like it's a... It's a very humble dish, but it's so flavorful. Mm. Basically, fried pork belly, and when the pork belly is uh, golden brown, you add some potato, and you fry everything together, add some onion, mm. and it's How could that be bad? Good. Oh, how could it be bad? It has everything <laughs> delicious in it, right? Um, yes, I, and then you serve some simple veggie salad on the side, and this is your meal. Oh, per- can we serve roasted whole cabbage? Yes. Anna, if you could please pause there. We need to take a quick break. I love the personal stories that you share with every recipe. And there is more Ukrainian inspiration in your radio right after this. Anna Voloshina, you and me, Chef Jamie Gwen, back after the break. back and we're dishing on modern interpretations of the very traditional Ukrainian recipes that keep a country bound together through pride and bravery and food, of course. Anna Voloshina is here. The book Budmo, how you say cheers in Ukrainian recipes from a Ukrainian kitchen and we're dishing. Um, you are trending, my friend, um, because I want to segue to Hachapuri. Is that the proper pronunciation? Yes. Okay, Hachapuri. Hachapuri is having a moment too, but but it's not oh, getting yeah. credited for its uh, for its roots. And so I want you to highlight it, please. This is the of the course. bread 
that is stuffed with this cheese filling and you see often with an egg on top, right, that everyone's going crazy over. And they have a good reason because it's so delicious. So uh, in my book, I have a Jarian Hachapuri, which is uh, from Georgia and from the region of Ajaria. And it's uh, like a boat, and it's shaped like a boat, and it's filled with oozy, delicious Mm -hmm. cheese and Mm -hmm. topped with one beautiful uh, egg yolk and a piece of butter. And then you take your fork and you mix everything inside of that boat, Mm -hmm. and you take a piece of that... uh, bread from the side and just like dip it uh, into the cheese mixture and it is heavenly delicious and this is like Ukraine has borscht and this is our treasure so for Georgia Hachapuri is their treasure and we love Hachapuri in Ukraine that's why I included uh, this recipe in the book because it's not Ukrainian recipe but when you go to Kiev on every single corner, you can buy hachapuri because Ukrainian people love it so, so much. And my mom cooks it at home. Uh. Uh, I grew up eating it. But, uh, yeah, I want to credit, of course, the roots. And, like, this dish comes from Georgia, and this is such a, <laughs> such a jewel. I, it's, I, it's I'm telling you, I, if I could lift it from the page and take a bite right now, I'm salivating. That is how good <laughs> It is. And when I make Hachapuri, I'm going to reach out to you on social, uh, which, by the way, you can follow. You want to make sure that you are following Anna's escapades at Anna Volishnaya. Say it for me, Anna. At Anna Voloshina Cooks. Voloshina. Thank you. I'm going to spell it. It is V-O-L-O-S-H-Y-N-A. Anna Voloshina Cooks. Thank you. Um, I'm going to post my... Hachapuri and um, and ask f- for your approval. Uh, okay, before I let you go, Vareniki, you've made a couple of mentions of. I had the privilege very early on in my culinary career um, to work for a chef, a gentleman, who made the best Vareniki I've ever had with caramelized onions that were slow cooked and of course the addition of sour cream and dill. And it is a a food memory that I could never erase. Like I can still taste it. It is one of the most luscious, comforting foods. And I, again, I can't wait to make them. Oh my God. Yes. This is my comfort food for sure. And uh, in Ukraine, we eat a lot of carbs. Yes. And I think <laughs> we like that about you. <laughs> yes. I love, love, love. Varenike. I have a couple of different feelings. Vareniki, and not a lot of people know, but Vareniki, they can be uh, savory and sweet. So I added uh, one savory recipe, and uh, the star, I would say, is my uh, dark cherry Vareniki, which is my husband's favorite dish. It is so good. good It's not a dessert. It's a a meal on its own, uh, but you just eat it uh, during lunch or brunch, so it's not a dinner recipe. But it's like such a fulfilling meal, and I teach a ton of uh, dark cherry variety classes, oh. and I, I just love how people react to this dish, yes. and they are just enjoying it so much. Mm. Okay, so when you make it next, call me, please. I'll fly there. I promise. <laughs> I will. I will get oh on God. an airplane. Anytime you're in a self, okay. I'm you. Okay, thank you. I can't wait. Um, you should make 
Anna Voloshina's cherry vareniki. I mean, who doesn't want to? And you will find the recipe and uh, another hundred inspiring, beautiful, brilliant recipes that I personally can't wait to make in the book called Budmo, B-U-D-M-O. That is the way to say cheers, to celebrate in the Ukrainian tradition. And as she shares, the kitchen is the center of family life in Ukraine, where moments are celebrated, hospitality is always at the forefront, um, and the perfect dish is never far from hand to mark the occasion. It is Anna Voloshina's goal to make people fall in love with Eastern European food, one Ukrainian dumpling at a time, and with her second cookbook all the way, uh, already rather, in the works, with an immediate bestseller from her first, entitled Budmo, this is the way we embrace culture. This is the way we celebrate people from around the world, keeping their stories alive, honoring their history. And it is a, a very small act to make a difference. You have honored your heritage, Anna, and I am so proud of your success. And we are so grateful that you shared your passion. So thank you. And congratulations. Kudos to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Beautiful. Thank you for giving me this platform to share my passion for Ukrainian mm. food and for, uh, of course, Ukrainian culture. Next year, or maybe even this year, we will celebrate our victory and we can all gather around the table and say budmo, budmo. cheers, mm. and drink a glass for, for our peace and victory. And so I hope this last hour brought you all the flavor that you had a moment of culinary excitement that I made you hungry, of course, and that you learned about delicious dishes and righteous recipes and food pros and decadent tastes, because it was my pleasure to spend the weekend in your radio. Before I let you go, my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of culinary inspiration for this week. I have football on the brain. And so let's celebrate the end of the season and the big game with some sweet and spicy peanuts, shall we? I love that they have a heart healthy fat, that they contain a good dose of protein and that they keep you feeling full because I could eat all throughout those four plus hours. But these sweet, spicy ones are utterly addictive. Yes, with honey and a little extra virgin olive oil, some smoked paprika and cayenne, some good sea salt, and some unsalted peanuts, you can make the ultimate snack, or cocktail snack that is, for the upcoming big game. I'm posting my sweet and spicy peanuts recipe on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. And I'll meet you here next weekend when I guarantee there is lots more fabulous food to be shared in your radio. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I hope you continue to eat well. (laughs) 